Total Wine & More is a wonderland to explore. Thousands of wines and spirits, unexpected pairings and great gifts, low prices and helpful guides. Make the holidays magical at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly, be 21. This is episode 1392 of No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm Jeff Altman, the big game hunter, and welcome. It's Sunday, and I'm continuing my effort to introduce you to some longer-form interviews where I'm interviewing a job search expert from my other show, Job Search Radio, which I just discontinued. I've got too much to do, and this show's been around longer, has more traffic, and I'm just focusing my effort in podcasting on No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'll just simply say that this interview is one about resume writing. I think you'll find it helpful, and I also want to remind you that we're out seven days a week providing you with great information. And next Monday is going to be episode 1400. We're in rarefied air, giving you great advice. Now, this show was done at a time where, frankly, a lot of the, um, well, the audio isn't as great as it was because I was doing interviews over a phone line and recording it. These days, recorded on the web, it's a lot better. And, uh, The content is still good, and I hope you find it helpful. And if you're interested in my coaching you, well, you can reach out to me in a couple of different ways. I've added a new one, uh, but I'll have information about it uh, tomorrow in the show notes. And with that, let's get going. And today I'm going to be talking with Lauren Milligan. Frankly, because most people would rather get a root canal than write their own resume. I thought I'd schedule Lauren in as a resume expert and job search coach with Resume Day. Lauren, welcome to Job Search Radio. Great to have you on. Hi, Jeff. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Thank you. And, you know, Lauren, as you said so simply and accurately, most people would rather have a root canal than do their resume. Um, So (laughs) why do so many people have problems writing resumes? And I know I see a lot of lousy ones. Uh, why do the resumes they construct look as bad as they do? You know, I think the number one reason why resumes look the way they do is because people don't know how to write them. They don't know what the employers and recruiters are looking for when they read resumes. So a lot of that confusion, um, and, and let's be honest, the employers and recruiters aren't exactly telling candidates how to put out a great resume either. So, um, you know, the, the conversations that happen between candidates and employers are not all that great because the the candidates just simply don't know what the employers are looking for. And I always find it puzzling because if for a candidate who's applying for a job, you know, they've seen a a job specification online or they've seen something on LinkedIn that they're responding to, they've got a couple of clues in there about what the employer is looking for. And I know what I receive. You know, so much of what I receive is nothing more than spam to me that in no way, shape, or form fits what a firm is looking for. And people keep doing it over and over again. 
Well, and this is true, and I, you know, I tell people well, uh, from the employer side, I have employers saying, I can't get anyone to send me a good resume. But then from the candidate side, I hear, you know, I see these job leads and there isn't good information. And so it's, I think people on both sides of the conversation have to elevate what they're saying and the information they put out. Employers have to put out more insightful, thoughtful, intentional job leads, and then Employ, uh, candidates have to respond with better written resumes that speak about accomplishments rather than simply tasks and functions. So that I think that's you know, what we're going to get into today. Absolutely. And, and I know from the employer side of this, I try to do a good job of, of communicating what it is my clients are looking for. But man, if I have to look at any more job descriptions that talk about team players, I'm just going <laughs> to want to put a bullet to my head. It's ridiculous. <laughs> There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, (laughs) (laughs) well, there's, you know, there's so much corporate speak out there that, you know, every time you see these, you know, multitasking, hardworking, um, finished projects on time and under budget, those words really have lost all meaning because they're used in every single, uh, you know, at every single rung of the ladder, they want the, Administrative, they want everybody from the administrative assistant onto the CEO to finish projects on time and under budget. So really, what are they looking for? We don't know. So. And from the resume standpoint, if I have to look at one more resume that talks about the individual being a visionary, God, help me. It's horrible. <laughs> You know, and I, I couldn't agree, you know, a visionary, um, innovative, uh, you know, all, all of those words. Like I said, these words actually start to lose all meaning. And the problem with that is that when you fill your resume with them, the reader, their eyes just kind of gloss over all of it, and they don't pick up anything. You know, they, they don't actually pick up anything. And by the time the resume is done, they don't remember anything about you. And, yeah, of course, that's a problem. And what's also funny is that people don't even look at resumes anymore. They're looking at a computer screen. They're seeing one-third or maybe up to a half of a resume at a time in most cases. So the first thing they're seeing is that summary area with visionary, team player, and what have you in the resume, and you've got to keep paging down to find something that's worthwhile. You know, it gets annoying. So uh, let's get into into the, some of the substance here for, for everyone. So okay. if you were telling someone uh, how to put together a great resume, tell them. How, how should they start right. off? What, what should they be doing? Okay. Well, first of all, here's what I'm going to tell you. If you look at your resume and you've got an objective statement, kill it. <laughs> Get rid of it. Delete, delete, delete. And by objective statement, I mean that awful um, to obtain a challenging position in a growing company where I can utilize my skills and education. Uh, you know, everybody has that on their resume, and it doesn't mean anything. So what I like to do is create summary statements, three to five sentences, but those three to five sentences have to be really powerful and really kind of come to come from your heart, um, you know, and talk about the problems that you love to solve, what people would miss out on if they didn't work with you. Those are the types of things that employers want to know. It's just, not just a long random list of these you know, boilerplate, hackneyed phrases like, you know, innovative, visionary, and all of those. Um, so I really, I really encourage people to dig deep and just say, who is, you know, who are you on your job? What do, how do people benefit by working with you? What projects do you love to solve? And how are you, where are you passionate in your job? You know, what parts of your job, what aspects of your job really kind of brings you to life and makes you jump out of bed in the morning? Hopefully you have those. You know, hopefully you have those in the first place. 
If you were to think of one that you'd seen recently, uh, that was a terrific summary uh, statement. Could you give everyone a, a sense of, of a great one that you'd seen recently? Well, I've seen many because I write them, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you there is, um, there, there's one that does stand out, and there's a young woman who, uh, re- fairly recent graduate. So we work with, you know, I, I've written resumes for everybody from recent graduates on up, but this is one of those people that you just know she's going to take over the world, you know, in, in a great way, in a great way. The world is just going to be so lucky to have her in it. Um, and she really was focusing on the nonprofit arena. And I just listened to her. I just, I just asked her to tell me what she loves about what she wants to do in her career and what she's excited to do. And I just listened to her and took some notes and came up with something that was just really from her heart and talked about how she believes that one person can make a difference in this world. Um, you know, and, and then, in, of course, incorporated some of her hard skills in there, like event management, project management, um, you know, creating different reports and things like that. So there was some of the, the hard, the, the tactile skills, but we blended it with her beliefs and almost, I want to say her mission statement, but it wasn't schmaltzy. It wasn't schmaltzy at all. And when she looked at it, she's like, oh, my gosh, this is really me. This is what I want to do. So, you know, when you just kind of let people talk a little bit, and, and, and for job seekers out there, you know, just do that. Just think about what you love, what you want to do, how you want to contribute to not only your, your own career, but kind of the world in a bigger sense, <laughs> because we do. Um, you know, and, and that's what you want to capture. And when you've done that, and when you look at that and say, you know what, that's really who I am, and this is what I want everyone to know about me, you realize that those those words like hardworking, multitasking, visionary, innovative, um, loyal, seasoned, all of those words start to fall away and the real words and the real passion comes out. That's, that, that's when I get excited. You know, that, that's when I get excited to meet people, when, when they can actually put something like that on their resume. And some people are scared. Some people are scared to do that because they think that they can't. They've never been given permission, <laughs> I think, to, to use real language on a resume. So I am here to give people permission to actually be real, be a three-dimensional person on your resume. And I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, those hackneyed phrases are a waste of time. You know, one of the impacts of social media on all of us is that we don't want to be sold to anymore. What we want to do is get social right. Well. I think when we spoke, uh, when we were first meeting one another, you used the phrase, the story behind the story, uh, because that's more of a, a testimonial, and it's an example of what it is you are, who it is you are, and what it is that you've done, that I think it all kind of blends together uh, from stories. Am I, am I well, pulling is- that together well? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that's you know. And well, let me uh, let me first clarify what you said in the beginning about social media. Absolutely, we don't want to be sold anymore. We of consumers have evolved, and that means that service providers have also they also need to evolve on how they sell to us. And thanks to social media, here's the interesting thing: the lines between one's personal brand and professional brand really have blurred. You know the our personal lives are kind of creeping over just a little bit into our personal lives, or professional lives, and I think that's a great thing. When it's done well, 
it's really a great thing. Obviously, people have, you know, kind of blown that up in their, <laughs> in their faces a couple times. But, you know, we, we can actually say in our work lives that we have lives outside of our work. And I think that's a wonderful thing. So that's kind of how we get to the story behind the story. For me, the story behind the story means this. We don't want to just put the surface details of what we do at work, okay? Employers don't hire job descriptions. Employers write job descriptions. So if you have a resume that really reads nothing more than your job description, you're doing yourself a great disservice because an employer knows what that job description is already. So by, the, you know, by telling the story behind the story, what you're doing is peeling those layers back. And you're telling more about what you particularly did in your work to make that job bigger and better and have more impact on the employer, you know, on the place that you worked. So the way that we do this is this, and it's, it's very simple, but it's very important. It's what I call the two questions exercise. Doing the two questions exercise, I promise, hand to heart, I promise this will improve your resume in 30 seconds. 30 seconds, so that I'm not even asking for a huge time commitment here. Because I know it's not easy to write your resume. People struggle with it, and then they turn out something that they're not that crazy about anyway. Okay, So this little exercise is going to help people kind of shore that up and make them feel better about the work that they've done in it. So it's this. I want people to look at the very first bullet, actually every bullet on their resume. Look at every single bullet, and after read each bullet, and afterwards say, what were the results of this work? Even if you've got some results in that bullet, I still want you to say, what were the results of this work? And then write that down. And then you go on to the next bullet. Read that. What were the results of this work? Write that down. After you've done this with your entire resume, you're going to have a long list of new information, new content, new data that you've created, okay? And this is if you've really done a good job, if you're really challenging yourself to do well with this, you're going to have this new content. And then I want you to put your, your resume to the side, look at this list that you've just created and say, okay, now, what were, why was this work important? Okay, meaning, what did the company do? What did the, the company accomplish because of this accomplishment, because of these results? So I want you to take that question even further. The, the results, I want you to take that even further by why was this important? Um, did it save the company further money? The company that you saved, were they able to reinvest it into a new profit channel? Um, did it keep the company from being audited? Uh, you know, whatever it was. And, and maybe, it's, maybe it's simple stuff, but that's okay too. But this gets you in the right mindset of, of thinking of your work as results, accomplishments, and impact rather than simply tasks and functions. Tasks and functions on a resume will not get you an interview. Results and accomplishments and impact will. That is, so that's how then you've got all this great data that you created. Then you want to recreate those bullets. And you're going to see that some of the bullets that you had on there shouldn't have even been on your resume in the first place because they weren't that special to begin with. So you take out the special ones, the project-based ones, the impact and results, and those are the new bullets that you create on your resume. That's how you tell the story behind the story. We're going to be back to, to follow up on this in just a moment. But first, I want to talk with you about my job search insider tip for this show. And this particular tip is about being in a situation where you're open to relocation, or so you think. And the idea behind this tip is, is comes from an episode I just had this week with someone who contacted me about a position that would require relocation. 
And, you know, we spent about a half hour chatting. I went through his background, submitted him to my client, needed him to complete an online application with the client, and then I walked in to find an email from him saying, oops, I can't do this because I spoke with my wife. And frankly, it could be wife, partner, or husband, doesn't matter who it is. In this case, it was a wife. And she and the family are not on board with, with this particular move. Folks, I must tell you from experience, because this isn't the first time this has happened, always consult with the other important people in your life as to whether or not a relocation makes sense for you at this stage in life, whether it makes sense for them, and to do it at the beginning of the search process, not after someone's invested time. If you're going to start applying to, uh, to positions out of your local area, consult with others. Maybe they'll consider a move. Maybe they'll consider a move to specific places. Unless you get their buy-in, I can assure you that whether it's me or me and my client and any number of people in my client, you'll have wasted a lot of people's time, including your own. So just as a reminder, always consult with others who are important to you before you get involved with a, with a long-distance job search. So that's my tip for this show. Let's come back to Lauren, Lauren, Lauren Milligan from Resume Day, and let's continue our talk about the story behind the story. So okay. what I heard you talk about was results. Um, the uh, what was the term you used? The um, not the one the before impact. Exercise? Yeah, oh, yes. results, accomplishments, and impact. Thank you. I appreciate being helped <laughs> out there. <laughs> so once you have those laid out. Uh, some things are going to strip away, as you said, and others yeah. are, are going to be much more juicy for a reader than it might have just been with the tasks. Am I right about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and like I said, this really is the information that employers are begging candidates to give them because employers want to hire problem solvers at every level. You know, so if you can show that whatever your position was, if you solve problems, if you uh, took initiative to figure some things out and make make the environment just a little bit better to the best of your ability, that's the type of person that employers are going to gravitate towards and even fight over. And, and everybody wants to be that person. Now, some people I've spoken with uh, always talk about metrics as being uh, what a firm wants to see, how much money you help the firm make, how much money you help them save. That can work with some professions, but obviously not all. For someone who doesn't have a, an obvious measurable way uh, for you know, evaluating their work from a dollars and cents standpoint, are there certain suggestions that you have for them as to how they could talk about their impact on the organization? Absolutely. Well, first of all, what I want to tell you is this. The very most recognizable symbol on earth, even in non-English speaking countries, is the dollar sign. So even people who don't use our money recognize, <laughs> recognize it. So what, <laughs> what this very means, funny. It, 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 <laughs> and it's true. Um, so what this means is that it's really smart to put as many dollar signs in your resume as possible, even if, as you say, you are 
historically, traditionally, a non-profit producing person. And I work with this a lot. I, I've got some phenomenal examples. Actually, I'll, I'll give you a really, really quick one here. Um, I was working with a woman who was in customer service. All right, And this was not, when, when I say customer service, it was had nothing to do with sales. Um, it had nothing to do with returns or anything like that. It was just truly customer service. Well, she went, um, they had a very antiquated computer system. And they had a very difficult way of keeping track of clients who would call. They had to pretty much write down notes when clients would call. And then all, all the people in the customer service department had to refer to each other's notes if they ever dealt with overlapping clients. Very cumbersome. So she went into her computer system one day and just started typing in this one field that no one ever used. And she realized that she could keep typing and typing and typing. It was infinite space. So she got her manager and someone from IT to work together on a team, and they made this field much bigger, and this became their journaling system. So that, connected by computer, all the customer service reps could see previous notes about customers. And it almost became, well, yeah, it became, it became their journaling system. And it shaved off hours, <laughs> hours a week. And so you figure, you know, she was making about $20 an hour. She saved at least... Oh my gosh, I think it was three to, excuse me, three to five hours a week or something. And then there were eight or nine other people in the department. So when you figure that out and do the very simple math, she saved this company thousands of dollars by just figuring out that this one little field could become a journaling system. So think about that. Then we were able, this nonprofit producing person, we were able to put the amount of hours saved in personnel you know, and then figure out what their salary was. We were also to talk, able to talk about how she was collaborating with IT, which was a department that customer service and IT never bumped into each other before. You know, so all of these wonderful things came from this one story, including a couple of dollar signs. And here's the thing. Remember what I said. Employers really want to hire problem solvers. So this became one of the most often talked about story that she had in follow-up interviews. All the employers wanted to talk about this. They loved it. They said, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Now, trust me, nobody else had that antiquated system, so it wasn't going to be something that was, re that was replicated. But what they realized in her is that she is someone who's going to see a problem and try to figure out and collaborate with others to create a good solution. And that's what employers are looking for. So if you have those type of situations where you have improved a process, think about it in this way. How many hours am I saving the company by creating this process? What, what, how much am I making per hour? And how many people were affected? What are they making per hour? And it's simple math from there. So it doesn't have to be this long, complex formula with, you know, what, what's the profit or loss ratio of the company or anything like that. It can be very, very simple math, but that's still a great way to figure out how you can get some dollars on if you are not in that traditionally dollar-producing position. Very sweet story. Uh, and I know of people who've been in that role, that kind of position, different scenarios for them, but ultimately, you know, Nonprofit producing individuals who I would advise to do much the same thing. Look at the situations where they've evaluated um, circumstances within their organization, made recommendations that were implemented, worked with others to get them delivered, and thus were able to incorporate that kind of information into their resume, and thus standing out from all your competition. 
That's that's exactly right. And and here's the thing, even if you know I've had people say, "Yeah, but you know, I did this, but I don't exactly know how much you know, how much per hour the other people were making or anything." As long as you do your your best most honest and earnest guess, people are not going to, you know, hold your feet to the fire while while you sign in blood how much you actually save the company. As long as it's an honest and earnest guesstimate, people are going to be happy enough with that. And as long as it make the numbers make sense. You know, I'm not going to say, you know, this this woman could not say, "Well, I saved the company a million dollars." You know, of course that would be ridiculous, but we put an honest and earnest attempt into figuring it out and put some real numbers, and they weren't they weren't even all that huge numbers, but they were substantial enough to start a conversation. And ultimately, that's all you need your com- your resume to do is to start that conversation. So, and this is, you know, and really when I talk to people in customer service, uh, more administrative type roles, like we said, you know, non nonprofit producing. When they think about it, they can come up with a, a couple of stories that fit this bill. They've just never given themselves credit for, for it before. And that's the important thing. You've got to give yourself credit for these wonderful stories, these wonderful accomplishments that you do. Because if you don't, if you don't put it on your resume and then you forget about it and you don't bring it up in an interview, all that wonderful work that you did to your, for your employer, it stays with the employer. The employer now owns those accomplishments. You are voluntarily choosing to hand over your accomplishments to your former employer and say, here you go. I'm not going to use them. You have them. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think that, that when that happens, you are not being fair to yourself and your career advancement if you leave your accomplishments behind without you. And Lauren, one of the things I believe makes an interview most effective our stories. So by giving an interviewer a taste of some of the stories, uh, some of the circumstances that you've been involved with, number one, it will allow you to prepare for your interview because you've got to know that that interviewer is going to spend time asking you to tell them more about a couple of those things that you've put into your resume. And thus, mm, by absolutely. being prepared, you're just going to present yourself that much better on your interview. You're going to, again, be able to stand out from all your competition who the interviewer is just trying to draw something out from, anything that will make them distinguish themselves, and that's not going to be the case for you. You're going to be able to to walk in much more easily uh, with a halo around you where they think the solution to their problem is walking in the door. Well, you know what? You're you're absolutely right about that, and you know, and I and I I love to tell people that. Just the very process of writing your your resume can better prepare you for the interview because you are. You're developing those stories. And here's a little interview tip, by the way, because um, a lot of my clients, some people, let's face it, interviewing is nerve-wracking. It's a very intimidating experience. And so I give this little tip to my clients before they go into an interview. Remember these two words, for example. When you remember the words for example and you think about them often in the interview, it's going to encourage you to bring the words for example into your, into your answers. And that's, you know, for example, I worked on a project where we did this and this and this. Or for example, I have worked with some difficult clients, but here's the wonderful ways that it turned out. You know, whatever it is, just by bringing for example into your interview answers will help you remember to craft those stories and discuss them and make them part of the conversation. Lauren, I wish you could see the big smile on, on my face when you brought up, for example, because that's been something I've talked to candidates about for years, those two magic words of interviewing that allow you to stand out. <laughs> We're <me>. so aligned. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think that you and I could have this conversation that lasts the entire day. (laughs) I'm sure we could. And I want to make sure my audience, that everyone listening has an opportunity to really get some of the great stuff. And believe it or not, this has been moving very quickly, and we're starting to come up on the end of our time with one another. So I want to make sure that if there are a couple more bullet points you want to get out, we have time to get them in. So... Are there any other important points that people should know about, uh, about how to make their resume really stand out in a positive way? Absolutely. You know, one of the most important things is that the bulk of the person's best information has got to be on the first page. I truly believe in – now, Jeff, you're a recruiter, so I actually will listen to you if you tell me I'm wrong about this. Um, But it is my theory, okay, based on nothing scientific, (laughs) that nobody ever got hired from the second page of their resume, okay? I truly believe that all interview, let me say this, never, no one was ever brought in for an interview off of the second page of their resume. I truly believe that those interview invites come from the first page of a person's resume. And that's why when I see these resumes that have a very long summary statement, far, far too long, no one's going to read all of it. And then they've got their uh, laundry list of core competencies. And then they've got a section called selected accomplishments. And then they've got a little box that has their technical skills. Ah! (laughs) I think you know where I'm going with this, right? I'm being tortured. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. But we see this. And, and then by the time the person gets to their career history, it's either at the very, very, very last part of the first page or it's even on the second page. And the problem with that is that employers don't want to have to flip around. Quite frankly, and you know, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but for the most part, employers want to first see where and when you last worked. And don't make them work so hard to find that information. I want to see everything as soon as possible. You know, I'm normally done with a resume by the second page down. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I don't think in terms of pages anymore. I think in terms of page downs. Uh, and well, you know what? You're right one, because you're scrolling. You're, you're right. scro- we're not looking at hard, at hard copies of resumes anymore. So absolutely, you're scrolling. Mm-hmm. So by the second page down, if I haven't seen what I'm looking for, I then go to the find feature in Word. I'm looking for the core mm-hmm. keywords uh, just to see if I missed it in my, in my scanning a resume because, you know, I'm not sitting there reading every word. I'm looking for certain things quickly in order to determine whether or not those 15 seconds I'm spending with this resume should expand into actually reading it. So by the second one, I'm going to the find feature in Word to find one or two of the keywords. And then from there, if I haven't found it, I'm done. Absolutely. Well, and, and I'm an employer, too. I, you know, I have employees at Resume Day, and I do the exact same thing. And, you know, I'm sorry, but the only thing that I read are John Irving novel, novels. Other than that, I'm skimming. <laughs> you know, and, you know, as a resume writer, I need to see really stellar things on my candidates' resumes. And if I don't, after about five or six seconds, I'm done. I'm done. You know, so, and, and this is how all employers are. That's not just a Lauren issue. That's in every, you know, that, that's just how it goes. So you have, to, you have to write your resume keeping in mind people will just merely be skimming. And that's why you want to start the bullets with, you know, with, with the accomplishments. You don't want to bury them. Oh, for Pete's sake, you don't want to use paragraphs instead of bullets. 
you know, you want to use the bullets and break everything up in a nice organized fashion. So all of, you know, both the format and the content matter so much. So, so true. Now I'm going to give you one more shot. Is there anything else you want to make sure everyone knows uh, that will help them with their resume? You know, and I, I, it's 2014, Chef, and it upsets me that we still have to say this, but we do, because I see this every single day at every single level, including the highest. There is, you, you just have to proofread. You have to give it to another person and then another person after that. You need to proofread your resume because even at the highest levels, I'm still seeing typos that just jump out or um, bad formatting, you know, a, a line bleeding over to the next line or, you know, whatever it is, but just give your resume to not just one person to proofread, but two or three because you never know who's going to miss something that someone else might catch. And like I said, I'm embarrassed that it's 2014 and we still have to talk about this, but it's absolutely true and just one little typo could be all it takes to get you kicked out of that, out of that running. I agree. Uh, I was critiquing a resume for someone this weekend and the formatting that the person had with their bullet points was irregular. Um, yeah, yeah. I think what starts to happen is people get so close to the resume, they don't see the mistakes anymore. Frankly, one of the things I, I suggest to people is instead of starting from the top down, they work from the bottom up because that's a view of the resume they haven't seen. So if you're working with bullet points, you go – bullet point by bullet point by bullet point from the end of your resume forward because frankly where I see most of the mistakes are toward the back end of the resume toward the end of the resume mm -hmm. where people mm -hmm. get a little bit lazier um, you know, as, as you said <laughs> now they're in I just got to get this finished <laughs> right exactly right that's what happens so the spelling errors show up the grammatical errors show up uh, and they never really read it with the same intent that they do the beginning of a resume and like you said, it just takes one mistake for an employer to reject someone, throw their, you know, hit the delete key, and you never have the opportunity to interview. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, when, when you've got on your resume that you are so detail-oriented, and then you've got a typo or, like you said, <laughs> uneven bullets or anything, it's like, okay, where's that detail-orientedness when you're looking at your own document here? But, you know, and, and it's a valid question, unfortunately. It's not even tongue-in-cheek. It's a valid question at that point. I was busy being visionary instead of being detail-oriented at that point. <laughs> I'm being I innovative with my bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much. Uh, you, you're so, and unfortunately, the, the candidate would never get the chance to tell the employer that, would they? They just wouldn't get the interview. So. <laughs> but, um, oh, I've, I've enjoyed this so much, Jeff. I really have. Thank you so much for having me on today. You're welcome. How can people reach you and find out more about Resume Day and the other things that you do? All right. Well, my website. Did you spell Resume Day for everyone? <laughs> I will, I will. Resume Day is R-E-S-U-M-A-Y-D-A-Y dot com. So it's like Mayday, Mayday. And so, that, you know, that, that's what I love people to think of. However, I'm going to also tell you, if you actually spell it phonetically, I have that website too. <laughs> so so all, all roads lead to Resume Day. Uh, my phone number is 630 901 3595 and um, you know I just would love to talk to anybody and give them some great resume advice and tips and make sure everybody's putting out the best presentation they can so that's today's show I hope you found it helpful and if you did here are a few ways to get even more from me 
First of all, visit my website, www.thebiggamehunter.us. I have several thousand blog posts there that you can watch, listen to, or read to help you find your next job. If you want the best of my advice, join JobSearchCoachingHQ.com, where I've curated my information with a focus on interviewing. If you have a few questions, contact me through the Magnify app for iOS. That's Magnify with an I at the end, or PrestoExperts.com, where you can call me. Schedule a specific time with me through chat on Magnify, or by connecting with me on LinkedIn at LinkedIn.com forward slash IN forward slash The Big Game Hunter. Once we're connected on LinkedIn, you can message me about coaching you, speaking with me about a resume or LinkedIn profile critique, help with a salary negotiation, my trusted advisor services, as well as scheduling me through for Magnify or for PrestoExperts.com. Like you, I don't work for free. You can also take my classes on Skillshare and become a premium member using the link in the show notes and receive two months for free instead of just the one that the site offers. Skillshare offers thousands of courses, not just simply mine. It is a great resource in a variety of different areas. Subscribe to my other podcast, which is called Job Search Radio. This one is number one in Apple Podcasts. Job Search Radio is number two. Subscribe to both. You will get great information seven days a week from this show, six days a week from the other. Lastly, I want to encourage you to join my group on Facebook called Career Angles. It's free to the first 500 people who join and is focused on helping you do better at work. Information is shared daily and we're building a supportive group there to provide advice and counsel during difficult times. Again, the group on Facebook is called Career Angles. I'll be back tomorrow with more. In the meantime, have a great day. Be great. Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get set for the season with up to $1,000 off. So you can set the stage with style and set the bar more beautifully. So why not settle in together on a new sofa? Because being at home doesn't mean having to settle for less. Even though the holidays feel a little different this year, Haverty's Furniture can help you create the perfect holiday setting with up to $1,000 off plus 0% interest. 